0: Romans 11, again I ask, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. But if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater will their full inclusion bring? I'm talking to you Gentiles and as much as I'm the apostle to the Gentiles. I take pride in my ministry in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. For if their rejection brought reconciliation to the world, what would their acceptance be but life from the dead? If the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. If some of the branches have been broken off, and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not consider yourself to be superior to, uh, to the other's branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches are broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but, but they're broken off because of unbelief, and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Great are you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
1: This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Church, I am excited to be here today. Uh, We are in our uh, fifth week of our 11-week series entitled, uh, Why Reconciliation? The first two weeks, I told us that God's determination charged the courts for reconciliation. And it means something is broken, and it needs something need to be redeemed and reconnected, and the idea of reconciliation. And then Bob came back and helped us and told us for the last two weeks the importance of our self reconcil- reconciling with ourselves. And then we understand that God pursues us, God seeks after us. But then after He seeks and pursues us, we need to understand that it's important for us to be reconciled and amongst ourselves, and he talked about dancing with the one that bought you, and he also told us of the uncommon, relentless church in which we need community. We understand our relationship with God helps us to understand how important it is to reconcile with ourselves, but this week, we're going to examine how reconciliation brings hope for those who feels excluded and not not worthy to be reconciled to the God of grace and love. So let me pray for us. Father, our God, we thank you so much for the power of the resurrection and your love and your grace. Now, God, I pray now that you are the pot. I am the clay. Mold me, shape me, make me, break me to what you need me to be. Holy Spirit, we give you full authority. Minister through my mind. Speak with my tongue. Love with our hearts. In Jesus' name and God's children say amen, amen. Come on, let's give God a hand clap of praise. For if their rejection brought reconciliation to the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? For the time that's mine, I just want to preach this morning from this little topic, inclusionary reconciliation. Inclusionary reconciliation. Grace City, there are two ways in which we can attempt to reconcile. We can reconcile by our own human efforts, or we can be reconciled through the power of God. Human effort to reconcile or reconciliation is man's strength. But God's reconciliation is done by God's strength. God is willing to reconcile us to Himself in order to, and that means He is willing to save us. See, we are reconciled and saved through God's effort not through human effort. And when reconciliation occurs, it's not through man's work, but it is an act of God's grace. God's grace is what changes and what's transformed and what flourishes our lives. Reconciliation is not man's favor to one another, but reconciliation is grace of God working in the lives of humanity. When we try to reconcile through work or human efforts, We usually do it, and that effort usually requires some exclusion. We separate ourselves and try to exclude and make ourselves right. We do things like we separate the holy from the unholy. We separate the righteous from the unrighteous. We separate the pure from the profane. What we try to do is exclude or separate ourselves in effort to be righteous. I know that's right. I, I, I experienced that. You know, when I was going growing up, I have never in my life attended public school. Never walked in a public school in my life. And one of the things, I was special. Somebody say the past is special. I was special, and every now and then they had to threaten me. And one of the greatest threats, the greatest threats, of a kid that's in private school is that if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to go to public school. It was the greatest threat that if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to end up in public school. But here, I want you to understand, all my friends... Went to public school. My wife went to public school. They created this idea, this concept of exclusion of the righteous and the unrighteous, the holy and the profane, the private school and the public school. But here's the problem. Here's the question this morning Who's the righteous? <laughs> Who's the holy? (laughs) Who's the pure? Because when we create these distances and we exclude, somebody have to make themselves the righteous. And here's the problem. The last time I checked my Bible, (laughs) the last time I saw it, it says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory and honor of God. See, reconciliation through work or human effort reminds me so much, Bob, of one of my favorite salad dressings. I remember just a few weeks ago, we were over at the O'Brien's house, and I was running late, Kristen, and uh, as always, uh, pray for me. Uh, I was running late, And all of a sudden, I had this big bowl of salad, and my favorite dressing was there. And you know, and and the first thing Kristen said to me uh, is, Cory, make sure you shake it up. It was this large decorative bowl of my favorite dressing, and I had to shake it up. I couldn't notice, I, I noticed this. Oh, my dressing is Italian dressing, just in case y'all didn't. And so I couldn't know, I noticed that um, it was a chemical problem within the dressing. It, it was, uh, the dressing uh, was sitting at the table, and for some reason, one section of it was one way, and the other section was in a, another direction. It was like the spices and the Oil and vinegar had settled in different places. The oil had separated from the vinegar and water while the spices collaborated with gravity and sunk at the bottom of the bowl. And no matter how well you shook it up, the dressing, ultimately, church, the oil will always work and separate itself from the water and vinegar. Vigorously, I would shake that thing, uh, the dressing, is, uh, to assure that I would get the right blend and mixture. I really worked at shaking that thing really good so it could hit my salad the right way. The natural uh, divergence, and and I was stuck with this question that really hit me about reconciliation— How do we reconcile the two antagonistic dynamics that bring them together? How do we fix the thing that keeps separating organically? It brought me to the question of our reconciliation. Why is it that we keep separating? Why is it that we're like oil and vinegar? Why is it that we keep this separation? See, reconciliation is just it's just not the intense shaking and blending of something together to give it a look or taste or general togetherness. Only become to become estranged again. Instead of reconciliation, is a much deeper unity. A coming together that forge in a manner that fundamentally changes actually the nature of the ingredient so that the agent or the ingredient creates something entirely new, permanently, unifies, alienate ingredients to one party. See, there's another agent, there's another thing, not uh, Italian dressing that has oil, vinegar, seasoning. There's another thing, it's called mayonnaise. Mayonnaise has the same ingredients, but it holds together. And the reason why it holds together, watch this church, it has, uh, yeah, y'all almost there. It has what they call an emulsifying agent. It has an agent that holds it all together and changes the entire texture of the ingredient. It changes completely because it has an emulsifier. Y'all know what the emulsifier is? It's an egg, y'all. It's an egg, isn't it? <laughs> Interesting, the egg has a property that are able to take all these ingredients, reconciling them, causing them to fuse together and create a new property, consistently, even taste and short an entirely new substance. Grace City, mankind's relationship with God was like oil and water. And due to the imposing nature of humanity's sinful clashing with God's holiness. Sin acted as a separating agent, frustrating the aches in our hearts for relationship of wholeness, loving closeness with our Lord, but God gave us an agent of reconciliation in Jesus Christ that was able to draw us back and bond us together. Our relationship with our Savior was like oil and water, but nothing, even human love, could bind us back together. However, as the source of reality, God knew the fertility of our trying to shake ourselves together. And instead, he spiritually emulsified our sins in his righteousness, taking both substances, pulling them together only by his love. And through his love, we became something entirely new. Paul describes it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man or woman in, in Christ, you are a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, we have become new because we have an emulsifier. Paul further explains this. He says, From God who reconciled us together Him Himself, through Christ, He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. When true reconciliation takes place, we are reshaped, we're reformed, and we need made new by God's grace. The church for too long, Grace City. We have the aroma and taste of reconciliation without actually being reconciliation. There's a difference between looking like and smelling like reconciliation and being reconciliation. What do you mean we look like, smell like? Well, we we come together to reconcile, but we do know that 11 o'clock Sunday morning is the most segregated time in America. So my question is, we smell like it, we have the aroma, but we're separated. We go back to separate neighborhoods. We go back to separate classes. We go back to separate seating. We go back to our separate communities. We go back to separate styles of preference of worship. Reconciliation Church has an emulsifier that holds us together, that brings us all together. God did not shake us together to be emulsified, but he gave us Jesus Christ, the one that holds us all. And where is our oneness? As a believer and a recipient of reconciliation, we're called to be reconciled. The emulsifier takes both substances, pull them together, and unifies them to be something new. The church should look like something new, church. Because we have this emulsifier, it is not this thing that we mix up together and then we go our separate ways. When we're reconciled or emulsified by Christ, we take a new shape, a new essence to become transformed. True reconciliation cannot stop until the church becomes something new. Let me say it again. True reconciliation cannot stop until the church becomes something new. But how do we become something true? How do we become true agents of reconciliation? The reality is that what we understand, how Jesus multiplied us through the cross. But if we can be honest this morning, we need that same emulsification in our human relationship with one another. We understand that Jesus Christ is the emulsifier that unified us with him. But we need that same emulsifier in our relationships with one another. And just like oil and water, it's very easy for us to reconcile by simply separating. So often our churches look like Italian dressing. We separate by denomination. We separate by economics. We separate by race. We separate by gender. We separate by age. We separate by all different lives. But Grace City, we need to understand that the emulsifying agent that brings us together holds us together in the love of Christ. That same love is the love that Jesus, that God took his son, put him on the earth, and John three sixteen said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the greatest emulsifier, so that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the greatest emulsifier that was given to us. That is what we are supposed to call to as the church that Jesus Christ has been given to us to emulsify, to make us one. In our text this morning, we find Paul writing to the church in Rome. And he's addressing a Gentile community church. You can read this passage 20 times. You're still going to need about four seminary classes on this passage. I'm going to try my best to make some clarity here. Israel Go Israel and their uh, Israel and and their God is like oil and water. Church, they are separated. There's separation between Israel and the separation because they do not have the emulsifier. They do not have the one. They will not accept that the one Jesus Christ is the one that actually makes you right. They believe in exclusionary reconciliation, that they separate themselves from the unholiness and live holy and righteous lives, that they can be reconciled back to God. In other words, if they believe that they were, that they shook the dressing well enough, they can be right with God. And they thought they could get themselves together by using human efforts and they can only be, but the reality is, church, they can only be reconciled by God's grace. And let me put a quarter in a meter right here in Red Park here. But I want us all to understand, what brings us, what makes Jesus the emulsifier is this very thing. That none of us in this room can get ourselves together or fix ourselves. But it is Jesus Christ who holds us together, that puts us together that's through, watch this church, his grace. Let me say it, through his grace. What they fail to understand is that reconciliation is not the work of excluding others, but it is the inclusion of the work of Jesus which is given to us through God's grace. They refused to add the real mortification agent. They simply said, I don't like mayonnaise. The Gentile community accepts God's grace, and now, because they accepted God's grace, the outsider is now an insider, and the insider is now an outsider. And Paul now is having a conversation with the Gentiles about God's view of Israel's rejection to the Messiah. And so he asked this question. Did they stumble as... To fall beyond recovery? The Gentiles is now asking, the, the ones that are now, that were outsiders of the now, he, he says, you know, the ones that you favored, are they now beyond recovery? Uh, 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 he, he asked them, did God counsel them? they <laughs> They, they, they wanted to know that their rejection for God alleviate God's love for them. And Paul's answer is here it is, church. By no means. By no means. See, that's the hope in the gospel. That's that, that, that's That's the the God I serve. By no means. What blows my mind, Bob, is that Paul uses this term by no means 13 times. Ten of them is in the book of Romans. By no means. Great City, I'm so glad God is not like people. That when I reject God, that the rejection... Didn't give God a license to reject me. (laughs) Oh, that's good news right there, boy. As a matter of fact, the songwriter kind of sums up my life. When I was sinking deep in sin, (laughs) far from a peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master... Of the sea, what he do? Heard my despairing cry from the water, he lifted me. Now safe am I. You want to know why I'm standing in this pulpit this morning? It was God's love that lifted me. God's love lifted when nobody else could help. Yeah, that's the Baptist and the Methodist. Y'all got it right there. That's right. Yes, y'all didn't that before. So Paul explains that God. It's not reconciling through exclusion because even in their rejection there's room for God's grace he actually wants them to know that Christ reconciles by inclusion of the insider and the outsider and he does something because he wants them to understand this idea because the this idea of grace and so he goes to a very familiar story that we've heard before, and he, and he writes it in the text. If you look at it, he starts writing it in the, he, you'll see it in the text. But this is a story. He goes to, he talks about 1 Kings 19, and you, 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 you know that story where, um, you know, Elijah was on the run, and when he was on the run, and he came to God, and he said, he came to God, he said, Lord. They tore up the altars, they killed the prophets, and now they after me. He, was going to say, he said, I'm the only one here that's there, that's willing to serve you and do it the right way. So he goes and hides. Because he says, I'm the only one. And God comes to Elijah. Elijah, where are you? He goes, to Elijah, he says, listen, I want you to go back the way you came. Elijah looking at God like, what do you mean they trying to kill? Go back the way you came. Because I got a remnant. I got 7,000 people who have not bowed let me come get you church. I know at times it feels like you're the only one. I know you, I feel at times you're on an island with this thing. But this is, you. God has a remnant. And why is the remnant so important? Because the remnant is God's favor. It ain't have nothing to do with Elijah's work. It doesn't have anything to do with your work. The remnant represents God's grace. And let me help you understand something this morning. I don't care how broken a relationship is. Please leave room for God's grace. Please leave room for God's grace. Elijah, I'm the only one. I'm righteous, God. I'm the only one. No, my grace says I have 7,000 more. Grace says I have 7,000 more. We got to stop throwing away whole institutions, whole people, because we can't see the grace that God got in store. We got to be careful. Elijah, throw it away. All of Israel, there's nobody here. Grace City, I I, I got to keep going. I, I had ten thousand words written. I'm a departing Lord, amen. so I got two points. I'm gonna get us out two points. Basically, he says Paul basically says these words. God inclu- include. God God is not excluding. He's including. And he says two major points on inclusion. He says, first of all, inclusion provokes reconciliation. Inclusion can provoke. He gets into this whole thing about envious and jealousy and all of this stuff. But his whole point here, you can read it on your own. His whole point, let me break it down. His whole point is this, that by the merging of the Gentiles and the Gentiles and, the, and, and Israel is seeing what the Gentiles grace, that God saved them by grace, that this relationship would provoke them to turn back to God. That's his point he's making here is that, and I, I, I don't want to, I'm trying to get through this. Uh, so he, 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 first of all, he, he wants us to understand that relationships that are broken, he calls us back to and include us back together is because it has the ability to provoke. There is nothing more provoking to those who are outside of the body of Christ than when, a, when an unbeliever see the grace of God on your life. Well, it's nothing un, there's, there is nothing more profound to those who have not accepted Christ. There's nothing more provoking than when we give people grace. It's the best tool you have in your awesome. When I when you don't deserve forgiveness and I give it to you, it's the best tool you have. When you didn't call me, but I keep calling you, it's the best tool you have. You didn't visit me when I was sick, but I came and see you. you it's the best. It's so provoking. Paul says. He says it's provoking. And, and he says said, he said, he uses where he says he said I hope that it would arouse them. <laughs> he said I want I want to arouse them. I, 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 he says, coming together, this inclusion, has the ability to arouse, to provoke these people who are far away. It's time to provoke some folk. It's time to make some phone calls and surprise them and just say, I'm just thinking about you. Provoke some folk. Paul says, inclusion provokes reconciliation. I'm going to keep going. Second point, and I'm going to sit down. But then the second thing is, inclusion accepts reconciliation. Listen to all these words. For if their rejection brought reconciliation to the world, what their acceptance, but life from the dead be. If the part of the dough offered was first fruit, it's holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. Let me keep on. Paul points out that the inclusion of the Gentiles would provoke Israel to return to the first love, not through merit, but through the acceptance of Jesus Christ. Paul goes on to say, if rejection resulted in the Gentiles being accepted, what would have happened if they just would have accepted? <laughs> Y'all ain't know in to shower. He said, if you, he said if your rejection of God got the Gentiles saved, what more could have? What more could it have been? See, Paul is bouncing off an idea that we use out of context all the time, which is Romans 8 and 28. Y'all know what Romans eight twenty eight is? All things work together for the good of them who love God according to his purpose. He just said that a few verses ago. That this all things working together that even the rejection of God, all things Ends up being the, and Gentiles accepting, and it could have been more. I want you to understand, God. This reconciliation thing is a long game. This is a long game, Church. He's He never gave up on Israel. He never gave up on you. He's never given up on your family because of the power of grace. You can't out wrong grace. You're not that good. Grace is really that strong. I know you, someone has told your story in your head that I'm too mean, I'm too wrong, I'm too bad and it doesn't cover, God, please, ma'am, please, sir. You cannot go beyond God's grace. God's grace will extend so far and grab you and reach you and pull you out. So when we stand in someone and we say, I can't reconcile with them, what you're doing is making God's grace cheap. Stop cheapening God's grace out of your emotions. When you say this person It's beyond God's grace. Paul is warning the Gentiles, be careful. Be careful. He actually is saying, that's why Israel got in the situation they're in. (laughs) He's bringing them back. Paul. <laughs> Paul says something that's profound: that even Israel's transgression, which is failure, accepts God, and that the gospel is going to result in a greater riches, long run, in the long run. Gentiles receive greater riches, but also says that Israel. This is the powerful thing of it. Not only is it grace, church, but here's the other part: there is the power of the resurrection. Not only, good God Almighty, not only do you have God's grace, but now when you reject reconciling, you're now forgetting about how powerful the resurrection is. As a matter of fact, in their mind, when Paul's talking to them, what would have come to mind is not Jesus' resurrection, it would have came Ezekiel's resurrection, where they raised the question: can these dry bones live? That's what it came to mind. And, and I want to read to you what he said. I don't have it up there. He said, therefore he prophesied. I said to them, this is what the sovereign Lord said. My people, I'm going to open up your graves, bring you up from them, and will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live and you will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that the Lord have spoken, I have done it, declared the Lord. So in that Jewish mind, they wouldn't have a Jesus resurrection, but they would have a, a picture of Ezekiel's dry bones. God is able to raise them up. That dry relationship, that brokenness, don't you understand that it's still hope there because of grace and the power of the resurrection. What grace can't do, resurrection can raise it. I'm telling you. don't you give up on reconciliation. And it only happens through inclusion. He makes one more point, I'm, I promise you, I'm he, makes, he makes one more point that's very interesting because I love this picture. He talks about this grafting, right? This, this grafting together. And he does something reverse, and it really, in the Jewish mind, it's really like, whoa, 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 whoa. In scripture, Israel is often often viewed as the cultivated olive vine. And the Gentiles is usually classified in Jeremiah as the wild vine. But Paul says in the scripture, y'all read it if you can. It takes a long time to get through the language. But he says, the wild vine is going to be wrapped around the cultivated vine. And that cultivated, that, that wild vine is going to shape that cultivated vine. Whew. He's going to take the Gentiles connected to the, and that is going to be shaped. Why? It's going to move them to understand that it's not about works. It's about God's grace. <laughs> they the wild vines. They think it's something in them that they Jesus, Grace City, uses inclusionary reconciliation. Jesus reconciled with a woman at the well and gave her water, and she would never thirst again because inclusionary reconciliation. Jesus reconciled with a woman who was a prostitute and told her her sins are forgiven because of inclusionary reconciliation. Jesus reconciled with a leopard who, who reached out and touched him when he's supposed to be excluded and because of inclusionary reconciliation. Jesus reconciled with those, with a woman with an issue of blood who reached out and touched him. And and inclusionary reconciliation changed her life. Jesus reconciled with a man with an infirmity and told him, go sin no more because of inclusionary reconciliation. Inclusionary reconciliation says there's nothing we can do that there's no, we cannot run out of God's grace. There's nothing in our own power that's over the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the hope that we have, church. We have have a hope in God's grace and the hope of the power of the resurrection. I close this way and, and, and this is, I'm out of here for real this time. Many times in celebrity divorces, They file this way. We have irreconcilable differences. You know, that's the power of God's grace and the resurrection that God never files for irreconcilable differences. Somebody say amen. He never files for irreconcilable differences. Grace City, our hope in Jesus is that we would never be divorced from our God. But more importantly, as agents of reconciliation, can we look across the aisle of the places where we have differences and take the long game of grace and the power of the resurrection? Can we do it? the same power, come on y'all, that conquered the grave, lives in you and lives in me. If he could raise up those dry bones, that broken relationship, come on y'all, come on, it can be raised up. I promise you. Amen. Amen.
0: Let's stand and sing one more time. You thought I was worth saving. you came and changed my life. You thought I was.